Hello and welcome to The Process. I am, of course, your host, Victor. The title of this week's uh, episode is The Process of Being a Minister. Now, for those of you around the world um, listening, of course, the word minister can also refer to a pastor, um, you know, and I guess even a priest, depending on the denomination that you may be part of, just to help you understand better what we're saying here. Um, But to that end, earlier this week, I caught up with my old uh, mentor, um, Andy McIntyre, or given his full title, the Reverend Andrew McIntyre, who is a minister in the Church of Scotland um, and was responsible for um, training me through the the first part of the beginning parts of training to be a minister, which um, I did not complete and for various reasons but nevertheless his mentorship um, and his pastoring of me um, made a massive impact on me Um, so I wanted to catch up with him and ask him about the process of being a minister and in a few moments we will dive straight into that so stay tuned as I said it's pure gold and um, I don't think there'll be a dry eye in the house house or car or whatever kind of roof you have over your head as you're listening and um, it really is a phenomenal interview and we'll jump straight into that in a moment. Okay and uh, as I've just said in the site, welcome, welcome to the process. Um, now should I call you Andy or Reverend McIntyre? And <coughs> Call me Andy please. Okay. Andy, please. <laughs> um, thanks so much for um, giving your time to do this. Um, I think, I think probably a lot of people when they think about ministers, they tend to think in a very kind of black and white kind of narrow way. If if they if they haven't actually come from you know a church background or have any kind of understanding, but they tend to think the ministers just the guys up front, the big Bible, um, and kind of that's. That's what he does, you know, twenty four seven, and that's it. But I obviously know um, from personal experience, and I've had the the the, the honour of having you having you mentor me as as I've you know had some experience with um, going through different aspects of ministry and stuff. That that's probably not even one percent of what you what you do and what what the entire process of being a minister is. So. Um, I'm going to start, I think, just so that we have a, a proper beginning to a proper uh, start to the whole questions. What what was it? Would you say that that kind of that that drew you to to becoming a minister in the first place? Because obviously, you can you know you can have faith and be a Christian and follow Christ without necessarily feeling a draw to actually become a minister. So. What what was it that actually drew you to specifically become a minister? I think a little of the backstory would help put it in context of <coughs> I grew up in a housing scheme. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mum and dad divorced. For me, I ex- experienced poverty. I went to the boys' brigade where I was introduced to Jesus on a Sunday morning mm-hmm. through Bible stories. And the reason I went to the, this, the BB Bible study was because you couldn't play football for the BB team unless you were at church on a Sunday. 
So that was my motive, but I got to know Jesus. Mm. And as I got to know Jesus, I developed a faith. Mm. And then about the age of 17, I fell away with it, from it all and was introduced to vodka. Mm. Uh, and I really enjoyed vodka a lot. Uh, introduced to a whole different lifestyle with uh, involved with some gangs and different bits and pieces mm. and fell away from faith altogether. I still believed, but I didn't have any faith. Mm. I remember about two or three weeks before my 21st birthday, I remember sitting on a bus from Johnson Centre to Cochrane Castle. Mm. My mum was on the bus and I remember just sitting, praying inside myself, God, I don't like my lifestyle. When I'm 21, my birthday, can you introduce me to someone, a nice lady who will help me on my journey? And that was it. And the night before my 21st, I met May. And uh, (laughs) May and I, after about four hours of... (coughs) discussing with me because she knew me she knew me as a rogue uh, as someone who's been around the block a few times and basically why should she waste her time with me Mm. so it took about four hours and eventually she (laughs) said okay we'll meet for your birthday and we went out on the night of my my birthday to a pub called the Burnside in Johnston it's no longer there Mm -hmm. or to give you an idea the nickname was the Stabbing uh, because oh, it was well known for its <laughs> battles and fights and it's uh, tail. <laughs> a wonderful place to be. Uh, <coughs> so, so that that was me, and, and we eighteen months later or so we get married. Another year later, we had our first of our daughters, and wow. May was a church goer, and she, and she had a faith. Um, but I didn't go to church with May. May went on her own, and then my first daughter was born, and I would dip in and out of church. And then the second daughter was born and I would dip in and out of church. And it came to a stage where our two daughters sort of said to me, Mum, why is Dad allowed to lie in his bed on a Sunday? Why is Dad allowed to go play golf on a Sunday morning? Mm-hmm. And we can't. So me and I had a conversation and me asked me to go to church mm-hmm. uh, with her to bring the girls up in the faith. And uh, we did a deal. And, and the deal was... I went to church and at lunchtime I got a big fry up. So was, <laughs> for me it was a, it was a pretty good deal. Absolutely. So, so for many years I went to church, sat behind a pillar, never listened to a preacher. We had a, a, two different men who were preachers. One had came, one had left, another came, other left. Mm-hmm. And then we uh, got this female, uh, Minister Anne McCool. Mm-hmm. And there was something different about Anne uh, that I couldn't, at that point, put my, my finger on it mm. but I'd been going to church on and off for say 20 years at that point and I had uh, no faith mm. uh, wasn't living a Christian lifestyle far from it uh, and then a, a couple of things happened the first one was my first brother George passed away mm. he was involved in a, a an accident one night where he was drunk and he got hit by a white transit van. Oh. It wasn't the, the transit van's fault, it mm. was my brother's fault. Yeah. Uh, for He passed away and that was difficult. Mm. And then two years after that, my second brother, my younger brother Stephen, mm. he uh, was 25 stone, <coughs> a heavy drinker, mm. liked his beer and tried to lose some weight, mm. developed a blood clot and the blood clot drowned him. Oh. Uh, so I'd lost George and I'd lost Stephen in two years and mm. I never grieved. 
for either of them um, through that sort of period. But when Stephen died, the younger brother, he lived in Blackpool and I had to go down and identify him. Uh, so I went down on the train and, and, and the way down on the train it's a very murky morning and uh, I just inside, my heart was broken, I was at my lowest possibly, my marriage was struggling, mm-hmm. uh, my workplace, my jacket was on a sugarly peg as I would say, I'd been in various disciplinary situations, mm-hmm. uh, financially heavily, heavily in debt and life wasn't good. Mm-hmm. And I cried out in the train, if there is a God, I need to hear from you now. Mm-hmm. And I, I heard a voice uh, that I believe is God mm-hmm. and saying, I've been waiting. <laughs> well, I've been waiting. Are you ready? And I said, well, yeah, I'm ready, but so that I know I'm not bonkers and all this, <laughs> can, you, can you give me a sign? Yeah. And I looked out the window <clears throat> in the carriage of the train and there in this murky, grey, drizzling morning, the... the there was a hole appeared in the clouds and there were sunbeams coming shining through the holes and I said to my wife, May, just remember that. Mm. Just remember those sunbeams. Mm. And that was the start of my journey to be a minister. Mm. And I went through different highs and lows. And then after about two years after that, my then minister Anne McCool said to me one day, You should be a minister mm. and uh, after picking me up Mm. Uh, I said, "Not, no, me. I don't have. I don't have the education. I don't have the qualities. I don't have what it takes to be a minister. Mm. And I didn't know what it takes to be a minister anyway." Yeah. So you go along to something called the inquiries process. So to on and on, I went along to the inquiries process, and I met this guy who we were sharing the room, a student flat. Mm-hmm. So we bought a carryout between us, mm. and from about nine ten o'clock at night through to. Two, three in the morning, we sat and got buried. And <laughs> up the next morning, had breakfast, and then I went to find out what it was to be a minister. Wow. And I went into this room with my uh, creased jeans, my old trainers, uh, a kind of dirty t shirt, and breast stinking alcohol, and a bit dishevelled and tired. Mm. And I saw these men with suits. And I saw these women with these lovely dresses on mm. and I heard these people speak properly and then I found out you have to go to university and then you have to do this and you have to do that mm. and I basically ran. Mm. I found out about another job called a reader which is you cover a minister's holiday so you just do the Sunday in a church and I thought well that will keep Anne happy because it's all about <laughs> keeping Anne happy and not about me. Mm. And I went back and told Anne and I could see the disappointment in her eyes mm. uh, but she was polite and kind saying well that's what you think that's what you think mm. uh, she never said it was wrong but you can tell in someone's eyes uh, so I, I applied for to be a reader and mm. I was accepted and did a year's training and it was after the end of the year that there was a disturbance in my spirit mm. and I was at Tilly uh, Allen uh, Police College mm-hmm. for, a, for a weekend course in the middle of the night, about two, three o'clock in the morning, I woke up and the Holy Spirit says, do you want to walk with Jesus? I mm. say, I want to walk with Jesus. Mm. She says, well, get out of the boat to <laughs> quote that famous book. Yeah. You want to walk in water, you need to get out of the boat. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was given a decision there by God to either walk with his son and keep my eyes focused on him mm. or get back in the boat and be safe. And I, I jumped. And uh, that morning... It was a Sunday morning, 
I went down to the conference and said to the leaders, I need to put in my notice, I'm, mm. I'm going to train to be a minister. Mm. Uh, I didn't say if I'd be accepted, I mm-hmm. just, I'm going to train. Yeah. So uh, that was that. that. Later that day I went home and I told May, she was in tears, um, overjoyed. And that night we, we were going to an Elam church in Paisley, mm-hmm. a Pentecostal church for, for a, a, a evening service. Mm-hmm. And we went in and sat on these seats, and I perfectly sat on the second end seat because there was a man sitting on the end seat. So I sat next to him with my wife sitting next to me so that Anne wouldn't sit next to me, Anne McCool, the minister. Mm-hmm. I was going to tell her later. Mm. And then just as the band struck up, the man got up and went to sit with some friends at the exact moment Anne McCool walked in and said, <laughs> great to see you, I'll sit here. So... <clears throat> And just, we just started the worship and I just leaned into Anne and said, I've got something to tell you. She said, it's okay, I know you're going to train to be a minister. Wow. Um, she had seen it coming before mm. I had seen it coming. Mm. And then I went through all, all the Church of Scotland hoops and mm. was accepted as a minister. Mm. So that's how I became a minister. And there are an awful lot of hoops, I have to say. <laughs> but there's a lot of, you, you have to, of hoops. So to, you get, have to go even to, to get to that stage is, is amazing. Yeah. You have to go to an inquirer's conference first, it's mandatory to find out about it. Mm-hmm. Then you have to go with a mentor, as, as Victor himself came to me, to discern your call to ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I first went to a, a, a mentor and I found out what it was to be like. And again, I, I bottled it and, and ran away from it mm-hmm. and decided that it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. And then about six months later, I reapplied, was given a different mentor and I just fell into to the position and it was just uh, a wonderful experience in a church in Barhead. Mm. Um, of course, it also involves university. Yeah. I had no education as such. I left school with five O-levels mm. and between leaving school at 16 till joining the ministry about age 40 when I started training around about that period, uh, the only thing I ever read was the Daily Record. <laughs> with lots of pictures. <laughs> because that was easy. <coughs> so to read an academic book, to write an academic essay, mm. to get through all that university is the complete alien to me. Mm. But I, I was fortunate enough when I was training to be a reader to do a year's distance learning. Mm. And, and the Lord put some people into my life who knew all about university, how it operates, and they helped me. Mm. I had to do the work. I had yeah. to do the reading, I had to do the writing or the typing, mm. but they would read it over and say, have you thought about this, have you thought about this? Uh, my wife May was a secretary to a, a, a fire chief mm-hmm. uh, in Johnston, so she has all the grammar and the, the correct places where to put a full stop or an apostrophe or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. I didn't have that, mm. so she would read over my essays and mark them off where the mistakes were. And if she wasn't in, my youngest daughter, Michelle, would do it uh, <laughs> because she had that good knowledge where, where I didn't have it. Oh. Um, so between us all, we, we managed to get my essays done yeah. and I passed uh, both subjects uh, with a B. Yeah. Uh, and then I had to then enrol in full-time university mm-hmm. and I sent a, a note off to the, the head of the university for divinity yeah. saying I would like to apply. Uh, to get in, what do I do? And the email came back within minutes saying, if you're doing distance learning, then you've been accepted, so you're now accepted full-time. Wow. And that was it. 
Oh. It was the, the Lord opened a door that, mm. that I thought would be closed on me. Yeah. So I went through university. Uh, you have to do a minimum of three years, depending mm-hmm. on your age. You have to get your degree, which I got a, a, a BD uh, in theology and religious studies mm. with merit. So wow. that sounded pretty good for me. Yeah. Uh, and I passed all my placements. You have to do various placements. So mm. I passed all my placements mm. in churches. And then you, you put into a church for about 15 months. Mm. I went to a church in Barhead called Burok. Mm-hmm. And spent my probation year there, yeah. uh, and at the end of that year, if you if you pass your probation year, you then look for a church, and you apply to churches and congregations. I let twelve people to come and hear you, mm-hmm. and interview you, and then if you're lucky enough, uh, and a church selects you that you're happy with as well, mm-hmm. you then go along one Sunday and you take a service, and the congregation vote. Wow. And uh, every vote is the same, and the the vote is: Do you accept this person as your minister? Mm. Yes or no. Uh, you are then at the end of it, given what the vote is, and you make a decision: Do you wish to be with this congregation mm. as a pastor, or do you not? Mm-hmm. Uh, the vote for me here in Party South was eighty six four, and zero against, wow. so it was unanimous. So they saw something in me mm. that I didn't see in me. Mm. And uh, the 16th of October 2010, mm-hmm. uh, I was inducted and ordained as the minister of Party South Church and been here nine and a bit years. Wow. Or eight wow. and a bit years. Can't remember. How's yeah. the math? Yeah, eight and a bit eight, years. Eight and a half years. Yeah, yeah. Eight and a bit years. So I've been here eight and a half years. So that's the process. It's a hard process, it's mm. a difficult process. Uh, there's lots of hoops you have to get through. There's lots of work you have to do, mm. but it's a very fair process. Yeah, uh, because as a minister, you are invited into people's lives. Mm. You're invited into people's situations. Um, you're given, you you're, you're entrusted with their deepest secrets, mm. their biggest sins, their their greatest concerns. You're invited to hold a man's hand at his bedside mm. as he passes away and the family invite you into that situation. You're invited to hold a new baby at the time of baptism. Mm. You're invited to hold hands of a wedding couple. Um, so it's a very privileged job and a very trusting job, compassionate job, mm. but it's also a very lonely job yeah. because you're given so much that you cannot share. Mm. Uh, even with your wife or husband, whatever it may be, you, you cannot mm-hmm. share with your partner, mm. uh, and that that can be hard. Yeah, and and I'm uh, just just a kind of bit of a, um, I suppose a bit of a descriptor for for the the church party south that you're the minister of, the pastor of. Um, party is party is basically was part of the hub of the shipbuilding industry for long enough and strangely enough this is where I was born um, so White Street it's White Street just yeah. up the road so yep. so um, there's a whole story that maybe at some point I'll go into myself about my own sort of um, healing and, and therapy and everything basically when I when I was um, given this parish to come and be mentored by Andy when I was doing my ministry part of the ministry sort of training or words that um, but to give you a background of the, of the 
situation with the parish for everybody that's listening out there is um, Partick South is it's really it's a hub of the community and, and Andy and, and May have been um, along with the, the, the elders and stuff here as well have been really been responsible for I, I would say from my experience of this area is it really rejuvenating and allowing God and allowing the Holy Spirit to move through this area and in a sense stepping aside humanly and, and letting God do what he does and even today as I came in you know, I was sitting in, in the, the cafe um, in the church, there's, there's a service now on Wednesdays um, and have the cafe after it and food and all the rest of it and people are sitting there happy and um, they don't want to leave and that's for me that is the biggest um, the biggest testament and the biggest you know tick of, of any church of any organisation and it's something that, I, that I've always been impressed with walking through the doors of Partick South so um, you know it really is it's special just to hear you talk about how you came to this place physically and spiritually and all the rest of it but I think the one thing that comes across, and I think you agree, is that when God marks you for something, he doesn't let you go, no yeah. matter what. <laughs> yeah, when, when your picture picked, yeah. and even though you don't see it yourself, and even though you see your own failures rather than your successes, and even though you don't feel worthy of mm. being called a minister, yeah. Um, when God's got a plan, God's got a plan, and uh, his plan will not fail, it maybe take longer mm. than maybe God had planned. And certainly I think it took longer for me because I ran, but maybe I had to run mm. so that I could come back yeah. when yeah. I was ready to face what was to come. Well. And I, I can only be here today doing what I'm doing by the grace of God. Mm. None of this is me. And I'm always keen to say that I, I take no credit, I take no... Uh, pat in the back I take nothing like that I, I give it all to God and, and and when people say to me that was a great service or that was a great sermon or that, that was great things you do with the homeless or that's great things you do with uh, people with addictions mm. that's great whatever it may be I just say thank God don't thank me <laughs> I appreciate people saying thank you because yeah. in our world today not enough people say thank you but Absolutely. I uh, yeah. I appreciate people saying thank you, mm. but I appreciate more when they say thank you to God. Yeah. Um, because it's all God, it's, it's, it's not me. Mm. Uh, I'm just very fortunate to be in this position yeah. uh, that I'm in and, and to be a blessing to others. So all, all, all the glory and thanks goes to God. Mm. Uh, yeah. So do you, do, would, it be, would it be fair enough to say that... Um, I, I, for me, for me personally, how I would, I suppose, how I would describe if, if God is a call in your life is kind of like, I always think about Jeremiah, how he, how he, in the Old Testament, how he actually shouts at God, you know, and basically says, why can't you give somebody else this message? But then he counters it by saying, but yeah, I can't help but give this message. I mean, would would you say that would be a, a accurate description of how... You know your your whole calling and process as a minister. You know, do you feel other times where you feel like I wish somebody else was doing this, or you know, but I can't help it. Yeah, is it there's, you know? there's kind of two two bib- biblical characters, and one's quite recently mm-hmm. has come to me that, that, that I start to see, it, and there's one who's been with me uh, 
from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll start with the second one first. Sure. So the second one is Moses. Mm. Uh, because Moses, when they met with God at the burning bush, yeah. and God says, I want you to go to Egypt, and I want you to tell Pharaoh to set my people free. Yeah. Moses said, no, yeah. uh, because I can't speak. Mm. And God says, well, don't you worry, I'll put somebody alongside you who you can speak. Mm. Are you willing to go? Yeah. Uh, so Moses was looking for excuses not to do what God had asked him, mm. but God said, it's okay, I'll put people around you. Mm. In fact, the, the passage about the burning bush, I think, finishes with God saying, and I'll go with you. Mm. So yeah. I, I, I believe yeah. I'm not a very good communicator. Mm. Uh, I have lots of issues with uh, my speech and vocabulary. Mm. In fact, I can't even say that. And, and, <laughs> and lots of other issues with with speech and, and spelling and all of these things that, mm. that a good communicator should be. Yeah. Um, but God says, I'll put people around you and I'll go with you. Mm. And knowing that God goes with me gives me the courage to go and do what I do. Yeah. Um, so I feel like a, a bit of like Moses going to the wider world or in my case party mm. and saying to all those things that hold people down mm. let God's people go free mm. so I feel a bit yeah. of, of Moses of, of that one in the, the wilderness mm. ploughing forward from God even mm. though the people are turning away and want mm. to go back to Egypt yeah. it's still the same story mm. we need to trust God we need to walk with God and, and God give me the words uh, so slowly slowly a little bit of Moses Mm. The other one who's always been my hero is uh, Barnabas mm. in the book of Acts. Mm. And uh, Barnabas' name means son of encouragement. Mm. And that's all I think I try to do in my ministry, is encourage others to be the best they can be mm. in whatever they're doing. Mm. And to see people flourish mm. because someone is, is encouraging them. Uh, so I just try to be an encourager all the time. Mm. Encourage people how to get on in life and how to get on in their faith and whatever it may be, just to encourage them and to help them go for it mm. and to walk alongside them knowing that God walks with me yeah. as he walked with Moses. Mm. So Je- Jeremiah is, is another important uh, person and it's last year I, I had a, a uh, a verse from Cher- Jeremiah I mm. take a verse every year with me and I walk with that verse and last year it, it was uh, for I know the plans for mm. you declares the Lord uh, plans to give you a future and a hope etc mm. and and God did that through my life and through our church life that he has uh, blessed us with new people mm. he has blessed us financially he has blessed us uh, with just the love and the compassion of the people who, who are in Partick South Mm. And he's given us a future and a hope. Mm. And and this year, uh, my verse was the next verse after that one, mm-hmm. which was, uh, if you call on me and seek me with all your heart, then I will be found and I will answer you, declares mm-hmm. the Lord. Mm-hmm. So so this year I have planned no Bible studies, mm-hmm. no prayer groups, uh, none of these good things that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I have just planned to be with God mm-hmm. and to be with people wow. and to walk with them. Yeah. And the result has been that other people are now doing the prayer meetings and the Bible studies. Mm. So by me stepping back has allowed others to flourish. Yeah. And, and and that's a great blessing that I'm seeing. Mm. That all that's going on this year is nothing to do with me. <laughs> it's about encouraging others yeah. 
to go yeah. and go and do it. Yeah. One of the ladies in the church said to me a couple of weeks ago, I'm going to ask you something, but mm. I know what the answer is. I said, mm. well, why ask me? She said, because I need to hear the answer. Mm. So she had this fantastic idea mm. that she would like to do in the church. She said, what do you think? I said, I think that's a fantastic idea. Mm-hmm. And then she said, now say it. Okay, then. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> yeah. On you go. Wow. And she's went away and started the project that she had in mind. Wow. Um, so I think I'm now an encourager and a confirmer. Mm-hmm. That's the right word. That, that affirmation that, that mm. people are, are confirmed and prayed for and sent yeah. into the ministry that, that they are they are sent into. Absolutely. Um, and we're we're reaping rewards now because of that. Yeah. So Barnabas and Moses, and uh, I'm walking with Jeremiah, wow. and I'm hoping this November when I, I sit down and pick my verse for yeah. 2020, yeah. it is the fallen verse of that whole passage. Mm which is about sending the captives out of, uh, sending the captives home, mm. which would be quite interesting for me, that's, that's like revival mm. uh, coming. So Definitely. I just wonder and mm. I pray. But come November, God maybe give me another passage. Wow. As amazing. long as it's not, go hang yourself. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Often yeah. quote that one, go yeah. hang yourself. Go hang yourself, yeah. <laughs> so as long as it's yeah. not that one, I'm okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Um, yeah well thanks again just for taking the time to do this um, and thanks again thanks again for the encouragement and the, the blessing you've been to me and um, my family and, and my daughter and everything you know um, you and me have been a wonderful blessing to me so it's uh, it's great just to kind of get on tape um, you know your experiences and, and just how God has been moved through your, your life it's, it's, it's awesome so thank you again um, you're welcome Victor and yeah to everybody out there again if there's anything at all that's been said in this please leave some voice messages and comments you know, on the anchor site for me um, other than that take care God bless wherever you are and um, see you next time on the process goodbye have a good day Hi there, Victor here again, just with a quick reminder, if you like what you've heard, what you've been hearing on the the Process Podcast, please click on the Sponsor This Podcast button, and uh, yeah, make my day. Thanks a lot.